0: Welcome to another edition of Real Talk with Real People, a Candid Conversation with Dr. Caroline Thea Jones, and I am your host. We have come to the middle of our year-long conversation with men and women of faith, uh, the topic being religion, um, subtopic being faith without works is death come to the part of the project in which I speak to. I don't want to say ordinary people because we're all ordinary people. But my conversations are with um, men and women who are not pastors or affiliated with um, church to the point of roles, although they may be actively in church and actively doing church things. This is the time that I get to have candid conversations with men and women who are just doing the right thing. They are living their lives and they're living their lives um, in such a way that they can give honor to God. I am happy to be at this part of my project. I have been inspired by all of my guests who have come on. They have all said good things. They've all The things that will inspire you have inspired me. And as we get to the end of these conversations, I am looking forward to the big finale when I get an opportunity to have a Zoom meeting with all of my guests so they can come back and tell me what their experiences were and what they learned from the other guests. It is amazing that I have had This journey and this opportunity because I have been on this whirlwind and it's been taking me places that I didn't even recognize that I could go so I'm going to continue again let me just say that these are pre-recorded most of my guests were pre-recorded many many months ago so the conversation may not correspond to the actual today But the message is still the same. My next guests are friends of mine, colleagues, uh, people who I know personally, and I know that you're going to find them to be inspiring too. So my guest today is Renee Taylor, and Renee is a friend of mine, and we're going to have a candid conversation today about her faith walk. Um, welcome, Vinay, to our show. How are you? Thank you. Hi, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. Now, I just want you to note, as, to remind you that this is a conversation about religion, but it's a specific conversation about faith. So I'm talking to men yeah. and women of faith, and I'm asking them to share with me their faith walk and their, um, how they got from where they were to where they are, because nobody wakes up and is born the person that they are. They literally go through a transformation. So talk to me. First of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do in life? Yes. (laughs) Yes,
1: I am Brene Taylor. I am an entrepreneur, speaker, and mentor. And by day, I actually work as an aide to third graders in-school system as we do our hybrid schedule yes. but yeah so that that's actually um, a trip in itself but primarily I am really on this journey to find myself and to fully realize my purpose in life and what my impact and what my legacy will be and Mm -hmm. that alone is it's hard enough
0: <laughs> I understand So that's a little
1: bit about myself.
0: <laughs> yes, I understand and I think we're all on this journey. I'm I'm on this journey just because I'm older than you don't mean that my journey has uh been fulfilled. I'm still every day trying to figure out where am I going with this? How am I going to be um the person that I was created to be because I'm not sure I'm totally there yet. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So where does it start for you? Where did it start? Wow,
1: Mm. that's a good question. Um, I know that for me, I come from a musical family, creative family. Mm -hmm. My father loved jazz. My father, I I guess in in, in his heyday, he was a percussionist because it seemed like he would always have a beat just going on in his head. Um, He wrote poetry, my mother is a singer, my brother who's six years older than me is a singer, and I, they said I came out singing. I, I think I started at two and we started performing together. I was as young as five. So I would say that was my first scratch to the surface of who I would become or who it is that I wanted to be. And I believe it was my brother who took me to church first. And it's very blurry now as to how it all began. But I just remember church being a very big part of our lives, Mm -hmm. a very big part of my upbringing. Um, We grew up in a Baptist church in Summit, New Jersey. And, you know, I remember my pastor and... The sense of community and family, and we're singing in the choir and singing solos, and Vacation Bible School, and always being rooted in the Word. So I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for um, my praying grandmothers um, and my just people praying for me. I think we don't even realize how we've gotten through a lot of things simply because somebody was praying. And I can't really say as a kid I knew what it meant to have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't know what it meant to have a prayer life. But I just know that it wasn't easy. I didn't come up in an easy life um, with, you know, a broken family, my father dealing with alcoholism and addiction, my mom dealing with mental illness, and neither of them really being fully equipped to take care of us and and my my dad having enough sense of well-being to know that somebody's got to step in Mm -hmm. so at some point um, I, I believe it was you know there was nobody else that was willing to take both of us together as a package deal you know brother and sister six years apart so we needed somebody that can step in and at some point I guess the conversation happened where my grandmother um, was willing to go through the fire and gain custody of us. And that alone is difficult for a child, you know, not even so much that, okay, our parents are not together because their relationship had dissolved and they were separated. Even, at, even though they weren't yet divorced, mm-hmm. they couldn't physically and emotionally always be there for us. So coming from a broken family, being raised by a grandparent, this day and age, you know, a, a working grandparent, um, you're just trying to find yourself and you're trying to find your wife.
2: Right.
1: So it was, it was a difficult environment, difficult environment for, at times. And I think my brother probably would have more experience, um, of more recollection of what that was like. I, I'm grateful for the fact that me being the last, grandchild. Well, at the time, now we've got tons, but um, I was the only girl. I was a baby. I was somewhat sheltered and they protected me from a lot. So there was a lot that I didn't get to see that I just came to discover as of recently when I became an author and I started digging into my life. So fast forward, when I got to the point where I really wanted to create who it is that I wanted to be. And I wanted to dig deep into these questions of what happened, what happened with my dad, what happened with my mom, mom what happened in the past and why are we with the grandma and why are we, you know, kids are very inquisitive and I was indifferent. different. And so in asking those questions, I had to be very intentional about who I wanted to be, you know, not based off of, they said we should be not based off of my family lineage not based off of what my family's limitations were and what they didn't do what they what they should have did and, you know the mistakes they made it had to be something that I could define for me so I would believe I believe my spiritual walk into relationship building and prayer life started with God when I found myself, in uh, Somerville, Charlotte Pentecostal Church. Mm-hmm. My pastor, at the time, Pastor Patricia Webster, a phenomenal woman. God bless her on um, her soul. She is no longer with us. Um, she was just a very spectacular woman. It was a small, down-home, family church, um, tight-knit church. And there is where I believe I learned the fundamentals. You know, Bible study was very was a strong foundation not only reading the word but understanding the word being able to dissect it having a fierce leader who not only was up on a pedestal or up on the podium right because we we look at these figures and leaders and pastors Uh um and we sometimes put them on a pedestal we look at them as almost untouchable right Right, inaccessible like they're not they're like not real right? right i remember the first time i saw my My childhood pastor, Reverend Sanders, uh, found Baptist Church at Summit. first time I saw him out with jeans, like, oh, my God, pastor, you have jeans? Like, you wear jeans? You know, it's the weirdest thing. Um, But what I loved about my pastor was she was a councilwoman. She was was a counselor to young people, couples, singles, anybody going through any type of transition. Um, She had an open-door policy at her house. You know, you could just come in at any given time. She was a woman that not only was well-dressed, she was revered by her family, a mother of five, just knew how to just love you and correct you in love. She was just everything. She was everything I've never really encountered, you know, the perfect balance between grace and softness and strength.
0: Right. So she was and an being inspiration, that,
1: right? Absolutely she was. and And being there... It gave me a sense of family that maybe I didn't, I didn't know that I was missing. Um, it gave me a sense of stability and consistency that I didn't know I was void of. And there is where I actually got baptized again. So I know a lot of us have a story of being baptized as a kid, yeah, but not really understanding what that means, right? Right. right. And not, and, and definitely not understanding what challenges we would face um, and how that faith part that comes in and how that will be tested. So when I came into my adulthood and came into knowing the struggles of my past and understanding that I want to be different and I need to learn and I need better tools and mm-hmm. I need to be in therapy and um, all of these things that, that happened during that time while I was there. Um, it was probably around college, college age, probably prior to my twenties, late late teens, going into mm-hmm. my twenties. And it was a huge part of my life until she passed. And um sadly she passed shortly after my dad. That same year she passed and then her daughter, who also was named Patty as well, um, a mentor of mine passed as well. So that's where my my journey began in my relationship and prayer life
0: began okay so the church was a family to you
1: absolutely was.
0: yeah yeah and um I, as knowing you I, I haven't known you that long but i do know this much about you from the minute that i met you there was something about you and we've had this conversation before you know yes. i've told you this before <laughs> you always say that <laughs> yes because there was something about you that i was pulled into and um I know that you came into audition for me cuz I was doing a play. Yeah. And you came into audition for me. And but there was just something. It was there was a light about you. There was a joy that just came from you that made me feel good. It was like you were this wow. light that that I was drawn toward and th- that's amazing to me. Because me too, because I don't yeah, remember
1: doing very well in that audition.
0: That's what you said. You said, yeah. "Oh wow, I was, I can't believe you called me back because I didn't do that well." But <laughs> it was it was something about you, and I often say that there's there's a light that that comes from a person who is strong in their faith and who's spiritual and who has God as part of their lives. Now I I knew that about you without you even saying anything to me because. You wow. actually where where you know you are definitely light of the world, you know i I see your light, and um that's why I had asked you to come and have this um conversation with me because I saw that in you wow yeah, and i know i know that. so yeah, I know sometimes it's hard to see in yourself. But I think it speaks yeah. volumes when when you can be that type of a, a inspiration yourself, even though you have been inspired by so many people that you can still be that inspiration. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: So let's that talk. it's ab- is yeah. amazing. It yeah. is amazing. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about some of your work, because um, I, okay. I didn't know that you came from a musical background. Um which is amazing because we are an entertainment family ourselves here in this house. You know, we do um, everything, music, um, plays, you know. Um, Theatrical, yeah. yeah. Yeah, very, you know, very artsy. Yeah,
2: artistic. <laughs>
0: yeah. So um, I learned that about you today, which is um, which is great and amazing. So let's talk a little bit about um, where you found yourself. And was there a longing that you had within yourself to... Um, go in that direction? Because you've written books, you've been in plays, you've seen. So was there a longing inside of you that was pulling you in one direction?
1: Mm. Well, it's funny that you use the word longing. I always feel like there, I'm always longing for something. I feel like there's always something more I'm trying to discover. And I always ask myself, my gosh, why didn't I just take an easier life? Like Why? <laughs> do I have to feel so deeply? Why do I have to love so hard? Why do I have to um, just dig so deep and search, mm-hmm. search search so so closely for the meaning, the deeper meaning and understanding when there are some people just that seem to float through life? And I'm like, my goodness, what a life, you know? And I don't know why <laughs> it just can't be easier. Um, so I ask myself that. Um, I, I would say that if, you know, my family were to, to to answer that question and how others perceived me. I was always imaginative. I was always expressive and, and somewhat dramatic, very, um, even though they said that I started talking late, when I started, they couldn't stop me. <laughs> so I always had this sense of, um, uh, what's the word? escapism, you know, okay. where I wanted to kind of just be in another place. So I think that's where the writing came. I was always a writer. So I know back in the day, we called that a diary. So,
2: right,
1: you know, you know, young people were, you know, you're writing in a diary. It's almost like a secret thing. Um, I was always into writing poetry mm-hmm. at a young age. And then that that kind of transitioned into journaling, right? So it being a daily practice for Mm -hmm. me, something that really helps to keep me grounded in writing. And so I knew at a young age that I wanted to be a published author. That was like one of my dreams that I wrote down. So um, I don't know if anybody else has, they call it a bucket list, but I think for me, it was just like goals, just dreams, you know, as a kid, you know, we would, Yeah, right. We play these little games of like, Mm -hmm. oh, who we're going to marry, how many kids we are going to have, what we're going to do. Like, it was one of those things where I had a list of, you know, I wanted to tour. I wanted to tour nationally. I wanted to travel internationally. I wanted to be a published author. I wanted Mm -hmm. to be a singer and do an album, all of these things. And so one being that I knew that I wanted to write my autobiography, I said, well, I'm going to be somebody someday. When I'm a household name, someone's going to read about my story. Mm. So I started in 2008. I was working at an architectural design company and um, I was working in the front office and really loved that job. They actually had... I think they just completely eliminated the department or eliminated and dissolved the company. It was like a boutique company. Um, Mm -hmm. But I really enjoyed it. And I think the times when I just had some downtime, I didn't really have much to do. I remember just being on the computer and I began typing Mm -hmm. and I started writing my autobiography. And I, I started and then I got to a point where this is where the turning point was for me in life. It was a turning point. It was also a pivotal point, critical, however you want to call it. It was everything all in one. I was approaching my 30th birthday, born in July. So I was approaching my 30th birthday, and um, I was in, at the time, a nearly 10-year relationship on and off. I was seeing somebody on and off for that long, and I thought I was going to marry this person. I was, of course, attending my church that um I you know at the time loved, but we came in together and and it was the relationship was dissolving. my pastor had fell ill very quickly, and um my dad was ill, and at this point he he knew far before we did that he had stage four cancer mm-hmm. and so um there were a lot of things going on simultaneously in life, so at a time when I was really should have been a time of celebration. I think 30 society tells us, I have no idea who makes these rules, but thir- society tells us that 30 for woman, you know, you should be coming into yourself like, Oh, you should probably be getting ready to get married. And you no, know, we have, you know, your career should be solid. And uh, are you going to have kids and you kind of are propelling into this new dimension of yourself. And for me, it was the complete opposite. It was a lot of ending. It was a lot of goodbyes. It was a lot of losses. Mm-hmm. So, Coming into um, when I was going to turn 30, um, I'm ending this relationship. My father passed. My pastor and my pastor's daughter, a mentor of mine, later on that year passed. And it was a huge blow to just everything I thought life was, right? Because we have this perception of life. And how our life is going to pan out, and what path we're going to take, and what we're going to do. And when certain people in your life that really you believe make up your identity have really shaped you, have really supported you, have really influenced you, when those things are removed or casted out, or um, just no longer there. Mm-hmm. It makes you question everything, right? Of so there is when I questioned who am I? What is it that I want? What is my life now? Um, what does this all mean? You know the things that were the words that were unspoken between my father and I, the things that we never got to do, the time I thought I had that we didn't have mm-hmm. this this man that I thought I was going to marry, um, what does that mean for me now? And why didn't it work out? Why couldn't I save the relationship? Why couldn't I save my father? Um, This woman that was just everything to me, she was everything to everybody, Um, was never sick. It was one of those things. It was a very bizarre thing when she got sick and when she passed very quickly. And then then my mentor, her daughter, who battled several types of cancer, really, really fought um, for her life for several years. Um, was finally taken out it was almost like the ending but it was the
0: beginning yes
1: and that's where the book breaks and came in i had already started writing my autobiography but at the time i had kind of taken a break and i was having what what you call writer's block Mm -hmm. but this this um this opportunity came about it wasn't until 2019 that the opportunity came about. But where I start in that in that portion of my contribution to that book breakthrough, I pretty much start at this point, this pivotal moment in my life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I do I I do talk I do like a flashback to you know what it was like as a child and who who was in my life then. But then I get to the point where. Um, I speak about this pivotal moment where I had to be reborn, right. a pivotal moment where I had to reflect and really get quiet with myself. Um, I remember saying, when I checked myself into therapy, um, I said, you know, I before I become someone's wife or before I become someone's mother, I want to know what trauma I'm inheriting that I didn't ask for, what what I need to work on, and that was the beginning of my journey. That was the beginning of me. And and really beginning to write the vision, right? So mm-hmm. the Bible says write a vision, make it plain. And Without vision, people perish. Yes. So one thing I will always say, I always had vision. I always had a vision of myself outside of mm-hmm. the toxic trauma, negative space, broken family, you know. I always had a vision for something else. Um, it does. It's not always easy to see it, but one thing I will say, I've been great at documenting. So I always write things down. So I started to write down um, what I wanted to do and what I wanted my life to look like and what were the things I wanted to combat. Because I think in the community, in the Black community, I believe that we are fighting against a lot, right? We're yes. fighting against, it's like spiritual warfare. We're fighting against slavery. We're fighting against being mentally enslaved. We're fighting yes. against the bondage of, of the world and, and how they perceive us. And then, how, then, then in turn, how do we now see ourselves? Um, and how do we become whole again? And so I always feel like I'm always fighting against that. And that's why I feel like you have to have a vision. You have to figure out, okay, what are the things that you want to change? And that's where I begin.
0: Yes. There are so many people in the world who would not have been able to even get past some of the stuff that you literally had to overcome. Now, would you say that um, during that time, that you felt a spirit of God around you because you know um a lot of times we're uplifted and and given that little special push because we feel like there's something deep inside of us that keeps us pushing
1: oh absolutely I remember feeling I remember I can remember like very vividly conversations I had with a friend of mine um who was another uh, like a big sister in the church conversation I had with the pastor conversations I had, even with the the guy I was dating at the time, his mother. I just remember feeling like, this is it. Like, I don't even want to go on. I stopped performing. I stopped singing. I was actually signed to a, an um, independent label, music label. My album was nearly done. I was just like, "Mm -mm, I don't want to do this anymore. I I just did. I couldn't see my life or see myself outside of these, this, this, Mm -hmm. this, you know, this pain, like it it seemed insurmountable at the time. And, you know, and, you know, we always say this too shall pass, but when they're in the midst of it, it's like, you know, you don't want to hear that. Like, what do you mean? It's not passing. And if it's not, if it's passing, it's not passing quick enough.
2: Right.
1: You know? So for me, I just didn't know that I could go on. I didn't know that. I remember thinking, okay, well, I don't know that I can live without this person. And, and, you know, there's no one else I, I want to be with and and no one else would want me. And, and, and then I remember just the root of it all being obviously the fragmented relationship with my father and not really having the emotional security and self-esteem and the foundation that I needed. And so, God was absolutely in the midst of it because he sent the right people to cover me in that time. Mm -hmm. And I remember in that time I became a different person. Everyone knows me, I'm sure you know me, Dr. Caroline, as being (laughs) outgoing, (laughs) you you know, vivacious, you know, pretty pretty outspoken and and loud. Some would call me confident and I really got to a point where I was
2: reclusive.
1: I became introverted. I actually um, experienced a lot of severe anxiety in large crowds. I didn't want to be around people. I didn't want to talk. It was very hard for a lot of people that were already, you know, had experienced me in a certain way or mm-hmm. were very familiar with a certain Vernet that now dealing with this devastating loss that I didn't know would hit me so hard nice. because we were in a place where our relationship was, was um, it was, I don't want to say broken because thank God we had that one final conversation. I feel like, and he's reconciled a lot of things, but it was definitely uh, estranged. Mm-hmm. And um, so in that time, I I just didn't know, will I be able to make it? it I was just so different and so during that time, um, I had my pastor, I had my pastor's daughter, I, was the door. I had big sisters, people that, that covered me in prayer. I remember a lot of reading, a lot of rebuilding mm-hmm. myself, um, a lot of reading scriptures and affirmations and having them surrounding me in everything that I do. popping up in my phone on my desk in a book on on, you know the vanity in the car Um, I had to be very intentional about the music anything that was surrounding me Mm -hmm. I was reading a lot of books I remember I was reading um, The Power of Now um, Beauty for Ashes um, of course the Bible I was reading a lot of a lot with Joyce Meyer. I was listening to a lot to rebuild. I don't even. I don't even know if I can say rebuild. Maybe just build what wasn't there at all. You know, a sense of self and self esteem and self worth. I don't believe those things are just innate. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of that is developed. Now, I will venture to say, and I believe it, it was Maya Angelou that said it, you know, we're worthy simply because we're born. But we don't come into the true realization of that worthiness, mm-hmm. I think, until we experience life in a certain way, we experience ourself in a certain way, we establish and develop a sense of self-love. You know what I mean? Yes. It's almost like we don't know that. Until and Unless there's somebody at a very young age that's already cultivating that. Enough.
2: Yes, yes. Because
1: yes. it's very it's very easy. I know working with third graders, is my first time working in this age bracket because when I started as a parent years ago, I was working with kindergarten and then I skipped and went to middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. So working with this pivotal age bracket, you can see how easily and how quickly you can break a child's spirit.
2: Yes, yes.
1: And that's it. And as quickly as you can break a child's barriers is is just as as significant it is to be able to build it up and establish it and cultivate it and nurture it so they', they are there so that's the foundation for them as they grow and as they meet challenges in the world,
0: yeah, that brings me to my next topic a mentorship I asked um a few of my guests, the same question, how important mentorship is. And listening to you, I know how important it was to you. I know how important it is to me. Um, Let's talk a little bit about mentorship and what it means to you and how, how how does one become a mentor? (laughs) Well, it's funny.
1: Well, mentorship for me, first off, is is extremely important as a child. I think God, for the Summit YMCA at the time we had a group called Black Achievers. Mm -hmm. Um, Shout out to my my childhood mentor, Dwight Argyle, who I received a scholarship in his name. We lost him at a very premature time um, before we graduated. And such an amazing man, along with Taisha Cromwell, um, who is still out here, you know, spreading her greatness in the world. But I thank God for that that group, those t- people like them, my church, found Baptist Church, um, and for a lot of the counselors and, and just amazing teachers in philosophy that
2: mm-hmm. really
1: cared enough about our situation. I mean my coaches as well. Um it was very important at our young
2: age just to
1: have and what and what I believe a mentor is as far as in by definition mm-hmm. having that role model. Yeah. Having somebody a leader that you can trust that um is worthy of trusting and worthy of leading you and worthy of having a positive influence and and i believe that it really can change the trajectory of a child's life so i i'm I'm really happy that i i knew what that was early on Mm -hmm. um i think based off of just how compassionate and and loving and nurturing, I've always been, and I believe that God has really just designed a lot of women like that. Yeah. I think that that's just something that we are. Um, even though I have never, i have never, I'm never been a mother, um, I, at a young age, I found myself in those spaces of nurturing. Mm-hmm. My very first job um, that my Spanish teacher got for me was working in a bookstore where I was reading to to young children would come in. We'd have somebody um, just up like the character and I would be with the kids mm-hmm. being all animated and reading them these stories. Right. So nurturing their, them in that space with reading, which is so fundamental. And then shortly thereafter, um, in the upper, upper grades, grade, grade levels, we, um, ended up work a lot. Of my, myself and a lot of my friends, we ended up working for the pet foundation, um, people in educational pursuits, which was a tutoring program. So it was tutoring and mentoring And, um, and it, it, once again, it was something that really helped to shape their lives and really preparing them for greatness. Mm -hmm. Not like, oh, do you want to go to college? No, we're preparing you because you are going to do something and you're going to do something with your life and you're going to be great at it. And you're, you know, it was not an option, you know, failure wasn't an option. So we, we worked with that. And then even in the Black Achievement Program, we learned a lot about outreach you know, community-based in. And so that, my mentorship journey started early on for me as being a mentor and being, as you said, influential right. or inspiring. And then in, as I came into the space of authorship, of having a voice, right, I feel like we all should have a strong voice and point of view, um, I then got into speaking. And I think that was more so, by necessity um, just to have a voice. I feel like even in when I was working in corporate they used to call me a rabble rouser because I was always speaking up for someone. I always felt like I had to advocate. I had to speak for the voices. Um, I always felt like I had to like, you know, campaign, like, no, this is outrage. This is, this is a travesty. We yes. need to do something about this. Who do we need to talk to? Who do I need to call? And, and, that's how I I even I even got into certain committees and groups and formulated groups in the space when I was working in Johnson and Johnson in two different divisions. And and now here, you know, working for myself, it's it's just natural to me. I feel like it's organic that being in entertainment and being in the limelight in any way possible, even even if you're just a regular, you know, around the way girl right. and you're on social media, you have influence. Someone's always watching. You know what I mean? Even when you don't think they're watching, I, I realize people that don't even follow me, I know that people just watch my story, my IG story on Instagram. And for that reason I, you know, the way that I wake up as far as my practices of, like, whether it be an affirmation, whether it be a scripture, whether it be a daily word, when I put those things up there, because it's a part of my normal morning routine, I know someone's watching. I know someone's reading. I know someone, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And that alone is mentoring. That alone is is influencing. And it's just really about, you know, taking that in the you know, and making that a positive force because we all have the power. It's just really, are we using our power for good or bad?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk about some of your writings. Um, you mentioned Breakthrough, yes. but there are a couple more books that you have. Um, I think, um, I'm trying to uh, remember the title, um, Letters to Your Father. I know <laughs>
2: letters, letters to Your
0: Father, is that the name of it? It,
1: um, it well, it's letters to my father. The Seven Steps in Healing
2: mm-hmm. from
1: the Loss of a Parent, um, and actually, Breakthrough wasn't even my first entry point to authorship. I think it was the one that really was near and dear to my heart because it it, it was me. It told my story. It was it was almost like you got a glimpse of who I am. Um, but prior to that, I was featured in the actor side hustle um, with an amazing woman, Jeanette Ng. Who created actors um actors in christ group so it was an actors group and she really wasn't really um she felt it was really important to to create a space for artists to know that they can still pursue their artistry and still find jobs and things on the side that can be that can be complementary to their lifestyle mm-hmm. and so at the time when i was a para for several years i was able to be featured in that book Sharing my experiences as a paraprofessional and how that helped me while I was touring nationally. When I was, you know, on when I was off the leg for certain um, certain times that we were going to be traveling, uh, when I was off, I would be working with the school system. And when I was on, um, I would still have the security of knowing that I would be working long term with specific groups and um, faculty members. I also. Shout out to Rosa Sharon in Plainfield, New Jersey. Um, I was also a feature poet in *Popery from the Heart*, and um, although that's no longer in print, um, so sad that it's not because it's such a beautiful, beautiful melting pot of encouraging, uplifting, inspirational stories mm-hmm. and gifts. I wrote a book. I wrote a, um, a poem called um, *Young*. Young I think it was Young Girl. I now have since changed it, but Young Girl, you rock. And that spoke to empowering young women um, with their confidence, their self esteem. And then Breakthrough with Johnny Wimbry, Les Brown, and metallic and authors across the country, mm-hmm. was a huge point for me in 2019. Um, shortly thereafter, recently, I did Letter to My Father, Self the Healing from the Loss of a Parent. My my journey with navigating grief and loss and at the same time throughout this pandemic i was also featured in the evolution effect and our truth is not a lie my mm-hmm. truth is not a lie is a really special one because that was actually supposed to just be an audiobook dedicated to ahmaud arbery brown taylor and george floyd mm-hmm. speaking about the black experience and that was something that was near and dear to my heart because during the pandemic, um, I ended up being out on the front line and speaking out against, against the injustice. And I went to several marches and I had to speak in several rallies and protests. And that, because the group of people I was working with and those that had pre-ordered really, really wanted a paperback, tangible version of this, mm-hmm. we then adapted it into hard copy and then the evolution effect speaks to breaking barriers and adversity overcoming adversity and breaking
0: patterns in your life yes which is what you have done well i'm trying i am a (laughs) work in progress okay let's just keep it all the way real okay we're keeping it all the way real we (laughs) are all a work in progress so i'm gonna tell you um i'm listening to your story A lot of it reminds me of myself when I also was um, growing up and, you know, teen, I started writing early, like you said, keeping a diary, writing poetry, um, trying to deal with some of the things um, that was happening in my life. Nothing as tragic as yours, um, but still trying to figure out where I was going and what I was going to do. And it's, um, it's, it's amazing when I think about when I talk to someone whose journey is similar to mine. And I know Ooh, sorry, I have something to look forward to. Yeah, well, <laughs> I could be more like you when I grow up. Well, you, you, you already you already more like me. OK, <laughs> I, I want to be more like you. you know? But uh, it's, it's great because we, we take this journey. Nobody knows where they're going to end up. And we, we know we have this this thing within ourselves that keeps pushing us, that keeps telling us that we can do this, that we can do this. So many people don't get to this point, Renee. So many people bow out before they even see their greatness. So many people don't get to see what they would have become if they simply would have kept the faith, if they simply would have stepped out with courage and just kept moving. And it's one of the things that I like to bring up. Because this, this thing that we're all going through, and we all have this thing inside of us. But so many people don't tap into it. So many people don't tap into it. Now, yeah. there's so many names to it. There's so many ways to say it. But I I, I like to say it's my God consciousness. I, I always felt mm. like there was someone protecting me. Mm. Protecting me from all of the outside um noises and all of the things that I didn't get a chance to do in life I'm looking at myself now and I'm grateful that I didn't have a chance to do it because I see mm, okay. I see now that it was, so he was keeping you from something yes that okay. I was being kept even though I felt so different than everybody else yeah. growing up and and, and felt yeah, you, you're right I, I I sense that feeling like you don't have a place here and that you don't really belong but yet you have to keep moving forward to see where it's going to take you. And a lot of times right. we we'll find that where it takes us is where we need to be. I think what right. you went through and even what I went through and what other people have gone through it shapes us to be the women that we are today because it is the women that we are today that is inspiring, that is motivating, that's uplifting other women to keep following a path that they choose. And to use their mind to take them out of the bondage that a lot of times we find ourselves in based upon other people's thoughts of who we should be. Right. Absolutely.
1: And I just like to say, I'm still going through. You know, I when I ended the book breakthrough, I said, I am still breaking through and I hope you do, too. And it was almost like a dot, dot, dot. And I definitely want that to be said here because you know we have I have not fully arrived. Um, It is it is a constant battle daily. Yes, it is to combat these voices that say you're less than, say you're not going to make it, say give up, you can't do it because they didn't do it, you can't be this because they weren't that, and it's a lot it's a lot especially in this time that we're in the racial climate that we're in the political climate that we're in the limitations just the the constant uh heaviness on our mental health yes and emotional health being isolated being um you know separated from some of us our loved ones due to covid and and just having to tap into parts of ourselves that we did not even know we're there yes. or we're not even really familiar with. And I'm still learning. Yes. You know, I feel like I haven't even scratched the surface. Um, I, 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 I guess I would equate it to what Nina Simone calls freedom. You know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: just, you know, it's nothing like it. I haven't gotten to that point where it's just complete freedom you're uninhibited you don't even think about what what this means and what people are going to say what they're going to think and and you are just walking in your greatness um, without hesitation and you know that takes constant practice Mm -hmm. and it's almost like a muscle Mm -hmm. that needs to be exercised and and there is a lot of, if I'm being completely honest, there's a lot of taking three steps forward and maybe two steps back, five yes. steps forward and three steps back. And, and it's, it is a back and forth sometimes, the give and take. It's, it's um, moving forward. I think I said this in one of my mastermind classes for grief and loss. Sometimes it's moving forward. Sometimes it's standing still. Sometimes it's being the voice and other times is being silent and that's where my challenge comes in you know finding the balance of all those things
0: yes I want you to know that I have not reached my breakthrough either I know you think I have because this is what happens people look at you <laughs> people look at you and they think oh my gosh she got it all together I I know we all look at each other that yes. way,
1: right? We don't see ourselves that way, but we look at someone else like, oh, my God, she's got it. Exactly. Yeah.
0: But I want to tell you that every day is still a challenge for me, too, the noise that you are talking about, the voices inside your head that keeps telling that you can't do something or that you're not good enough or this is not perfect enough or you have to start all over or you'll never be able to do this. Those voices still plague mm-hmm. me, and it's an everyday um, like you mentioned, a mantra that I have to say to myself to remind myself that I am capable, that I am. And it's about um, silencing the other voice. I remember my mom told me that you can't serve two masters, right?
2: So yeah. the two voices
0: yeah. inside your head, if I look at them as master, they're two masters, who am I going to obey? So, oh wow, I like that. I never yeah, at it that way you have to make a choice as to which mm. one of these masters you're going to slay, because mm. there there's going to be conflict between the two voices. One telling you that you can, one telling you that you can't. Like I said, on on the one hand, I I hear the voice that says you can do all things. Um, you were created to do good works and all of the things that I know that I'm capable of. And then on the other hand. You hear that other voice that say, what if you're not good enough? Who's going to like you? Uh, There are people who are better than you. You're never going to be who you want to be. At some point, you have to silence a voice. And I think when we're walking and we're saying that we're moving by faith and we're saying that we're stepping out on courage, I I honestly believe it's about slaying one of those voices. It's like picking, Mm. picking up that slingshot and just, you know, slinging it and hitting it straight in the eye and say, look, this is who I'm going to listen to because I only have the one master. And that master is leading me to the right places in my life. I know the plans that I have for your life and they're plans for you to do good. You, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I love that. I'm writing it down. As you said, playing, you know, one of those voices. I yeah. love the way that your mother explained it because I've never heard it that way. And sometimes it's like us, like, breaking down these colloquialisms and these cliches and these scriptures that we know, right? Yes. Or, or just these things that we say that are, like, so deeply rooted and ingrained and who we are, but we never ever imagine the time where we're, we're really gonna have to have these words be tested in our own lives. Exactly. And I think that's, that's the main challenge. Um, for me, it's not a, it's, it's, it's the voices, but also I'm learning, and, it, and it's hard and it's really tough to say, and, and it's, it's something that I'm just really trying to wrestle with and figure out, but sometimes those it's not the voices, it's, it's, it's people. Um, sometimes it's family, sometimes it's um, the, just the forces around you, you know, mm-hmm. from the outside that are trying to make their way in. And that, that's the difficult, that's the difficult part, you know, when you're trying to become yourself in those that are around you or those that are familiar with how you used to be or those that are comfortable with how you used to be or this is how we've always done it, you know, really also being able to combat those things and those people, um, those limiting beliefs and just limitations that people tend to put on you simply because it would be more comfortable familiar for them for you to just be who you always been.
0: Right. 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 And
1: to stay the same and for things to stay the same.
2: Right.
1: And and so that that's a big challenge for me, um, I think in this space, when you know, some people are just kind of set in their ways. Some people are set where they are and and for me I don't know. Just back to that longing. Always longing for more, always yearning for more, always okay. Searching, right? It's like a constant, you know. It's it's a it's a constant um, voyage to discover more, and you know, I pray I don't lose that because I think that's what keeps me moving forward. Yes, but it 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 can be difficult when you have these forces beside you, behind you, pulling you back.
0: Right. Let's talk about um, family members and friends and people around you that can't see your vision and who want and who want to um place you in a box one of the things that I I had to learn this was probably about a good 15 years now I've been um saying to myself I will not allow someone else to define me I mm. must define myself because when I define myself, I put myself out there and say, this is who I am. Accept me for who I am or don't. I know that mm. okay. I'm a very passionate person. I'm also a very compassionate person. And I do carry yeah. my, um, my heart on my sleeve. And where I might yeah. have, yeah. I, yeah, I might have a, a brass exterior, but my interior is quite fragile. And it's like I do care what people think of me, but I have to put myself in a position where I won't allow somebody else's thoughts to recreate me. You understand what I'm saying? So by by defining who I am and making sure I stick with it and making sure that whoever approaches me know that they need to approach me at my terms. Even mm-hmm. though it might mm-hmm. hurt, and there are times when I feel uncomfortable because I feel like I'm hurting someone's feelings, because, but at the same time, I, I have to make sure that I am staying true to myself and that I'm not l- allowing somebody else to try to shape me and make me into who they believe I should be. And sometimes right. it means cutting off those people who are close to you, sometimes it means, yeah, um, you know, right. closing doors. That were once open, you know, cutting off your right arm if it offends you, plucking out your right eye if it right, offends you, right, right, you know, and it's Talk hard to it, do. Yeah, it's hard to do. It's hard to do because we are compassionate people. We 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 love all people, so we want to see other people live in their freedoms as well. But it's it's right. it's important that we understand that that word free is for all of us. I don't want to carry other people's baggage or I don't want to be placed that's in bondage that right mm-hmm. because someone else can't understand my freedom and that
1: part that's yes. the part where I yeah that's where that's where I land we, you know I don't know that it's so much about what people think about me I think it's more so about the baggage I internalize other people's issues yes. I internalize other people's you know, limitations and you know, and and that's where I wanted I need to be set free. I need to be set free and set apart from oh, that's your story. That's what happened to you. Yes. That's what path you went down. That that doesn't have to necessarily be mine. That doesn't necessarily have to be my end result. That you know, that doesn't have to be my story. And to to your point, I wear my heart on my sleeve as well. Um, I think I said earlier in the conversation that, you know, I, why is it that I have to love so deeply? Why is it that I have to feel everything
2: mm-hmm. so
1: deeply? And, you know, that's, that's where I am working. I'm working on that. I'm yes. working on letting people go, letting some things go, Um giving it to God and completely surrendering it to him. And most importantly, just getting quiet with myself. Yes. You know? Yes. And like you say, casting out the noise around me, even if those people are close to me. Now, I'm great at creating boundaries. I, the problem is people are not great at abiding
0: by them. Yes, yes, yes. And
1: that's where it gets really tricky for me. Um so I think my freedom's going to come when I really set myself apart. I think that's when my freedom's going to come. Yes. When I really get to a place where I am mm-hmm. um where I can break, you know, there was a time I went on like a little short retreat um, where I had to like just take some time away and just literally unplug. And the guy kept telling me, break the chains. And that's where I'm at right now, trying to break the chains.
0: Okay. Well, you are a beautiful young woman. And like I said, I'm I'm Thank I'm glad I met you. I'm glad that you stayed in my life because um,
1: I know. Yes, yeah.
0: it's it's crazy how we met and, and and how we just became so close to one another. And that's that says a lot about I guess what they say. Um, uh, spirit join the spirit. I don't know, um, but I, I'm. I know. Yeah, but I'm I'm glad you've that, been so um,
1: encouraging and so nurturing and so loving and accepting. That, that's been, you know, an amazing reason, I think, for why we stay connected. Yeah. Um, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to continue to be that way. And, um, I, it's so much easier when you have someone such as yourself who is accepting. There are times when I reach out to others and it's not so accepting. Everybody don't find me fascinating. <laughs> Everybody, Aww. you know, so there are times when I am rejected, and that's okay too. My goal, my desire is to uplift, motivate, encourage, and I will continue to do that as much as I can. Um, right, so I want to thank you, you for having me. Yeah, I want to thank you for having um, this candid conversation with me. It was, yes,
1: thank great. you for always having me and always asking for me back. Thank I,
0: you, because you are such an interesting person, you always have. Such interesting things to say. Plus you're just a good person that I like to talk to. And I know that I'm gonna to speak to you again and you know, I, I know we talked about doing some projects together, so I know that, that we will be doing some things together as well in the future and I'm looking forward to that. I know COVID has shut everything down, but Yes. And I've been I've
1: become very recluse, I tell you, yeah. I really have. And so it I you know, and I and I do remember getting your message um about what you were looking to do to put together and i tell you there are so many times you'd be surprised i question well am i am i worthy to be doing that what should i be on that platform and should i you know and even even in the coaching space i mean i remember someone kind of spoken to my life I I forgot a couple years ago just about me being a coach and and whatnot and i'm Mm -hmm. like well I remember I even wanted to study psychology and I thought to myself, well, I got my own problem with what I was like, <laughs> you know, you know, helping someone else up. And I'm like, I'm trying to help myself. And, and I'm still wrestling with that. Even as I wrote this book, you know, coming into this space, this was just like, oh, I just happened to, to record my journey, but it's, it's still heavy. And, and I'm like, oh my goodness, am I, am I the qualified one? to
0: help you navigate you out of this space, you know, well, it's, it's a lot. Nobody feels like they're qualified. And and what I like to say is that I never, I, I'm like you in that sense. I don't want people to say I'm their teacher or I'm this. I always say, look at me as a guidepost, you know, when you go places and there's oh, a yeah, guidepost, good. it's just information. If there's anything that I can do to help you, then I will do that. So if you oh, want to like just that. look Sorry, to me please. to just be a guidepost, that's fine. I I I don't have to be anything more than that. I if I have information to share, I will share it, and I share freely. You know, yes, I you I do. share freely. So I say that to everybody. Um, I'm here for everybody. I'm always here for everybody, and I'm always um, grateful for the people who. Um, come into my life who have been an influence and even though you think you're not you have been an influence to me your smile your joy I like being in your presence I really do I like being in your presence it brings a light into my life and and I need a light in my life from time to time
1: oh gosh that's awesome that's awesome I mean that brings me joy to know that that there's still at times when you feel like your light is dim you feel like it's not shining brightly it's it's it brings you joy to know that, that you impact somebody, you, you know, do. even if it's one person. And that, that means a lot to me. That really means a lot to me because it's difficult, you know, we're in a really tough space these days and, and there's so much, like you say, darkness in the world. Um, there's so much evil in the world. There's so much going on that can trouble us. So just be a light yes just a little glimmer is, yes that's
2: everything yes that's we're, everything.
0: we're not denying that there's evil and darkness in the world but we're just saying that yes there's evil and yes there's darkness in the world but there's also light in the world be yeah. the light be light because yeah. it only takes a little bit of light to dispel darkness so if you concentrate yes. on being the light in the world and not concentrate on the darkness then you will see that you are making a difference in someone's life even if renee even if no one says it to you you just have to know that you are mm,
1: i see that
0: yeah yeah all right so will Thank you come you. will you come back and talk to me again at another time of course of course <laughs> i don't know what we'll talk about next time but it's always candid. It's always candid. Um, so whatever <laughs> comes up, we're going to talk about. All of my conversations are going to be candid. So whatever. I know. I'm already
2: nervous.
0: What whatever <laughs> comes up comes up because we're honest, right? And and that's what it's about. Right. That's what it's about. Right. All right. So you've been listening to Real Talk with Real People, a candid conversation with Dr. Caroline Maria Jones. My guest today was
3: Renee Taylor, and uh, I'll see you soon. Thank you.